Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Just so good. Haven't we just got the best church? We've just got the best people. It's just amazing. It's just so much fun. You know what? I just want you to know that, that church should be fun. I know that's probably... I feel like that's a cliche now, actually. It's like... But I want you to know how much it should be fun. God created humanity to have a sense of humor. He put... And, and do you know this is amazing? Humor is one of those things that... This is awkward, actually, because I don't think there's anything funny in the message I've got for you. But I'm just saying this. <laughs> You're thinking, I'm setting you up, aren't you? Yeah. That's one. But it's not a setup. Humor is one of those things. Humor is one of those things that even in the most traumatic situation, people find themselves creating jokes and cracking jokes and saying things inappropriately. Saying things which are just beyond the line that you should say and things which, which shouldn't be said because it's funny. It kind of it releases an atmosphere. It, it, it makes people laugh. And, and humor is something which works in any society, in, in any environment. You can, you can, even if you don't understand each other, you can laugh. I, we were having... Um, we were having like tea uh, and cakes and stuff with some Polish friends. They didn't speak a word of English. We clearly don't speak a word of Polish. And we were laughing together because humor is something which, which translates across languages. God created us to laugh and to have fun and to enjoy ourselves and to be able to lift ourselves in any circumstances, any situation for us to be together and just laugh. And, and I want you to know that this church is a place where we do that to the maximum. We, we make the most of every situation and, and because at the end of the day, I can't be in church and not be authentic about who I am. That, and I don't, and I honestly cannot stand any environment, of, and not just church, any place where people are not being authentic. That the person you see in front of you is not who they are in, an, in a different situation. And who you see here, who you see on stage, who you see, who you see in us, is who we are through the week. Um, it, it's just who we are, that we're just doing life and, and we're doing it as best as we can and we're having as much fun as we can. And in having that fun, actually what we're doing is we're actually strengthening, encouraging and building everyone up, which is a nice lead into my message, which is called Building Each Other Up, and, uh, which I find incredible because I never planned any of that as an intro. <laughs> Turn with me, will you, to the book of Jude. Jude, where I spoke, I think it was last week, I spoke from the book of Jude. And chapter, um, chapter 1, um, it's the only chapter. <laughs> Jude is a little tiny book if you're using a, uh, an actual physical Bible. Um, that it's, the la- it's the second to last book in the uh, New Testament. Um, and it's, uh, it's uh, just a single page. Um, if you're looking in a, your phone or your iPad or whatever tablet device that you have, um, just type in J-U-D-E. And... Uh, <laughs> And you'll find it. It will find it for you. So Jude chapter 1 verse 
20, it says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit and wait the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. When I was a teenager, I discovered I had an identity uh, beyond the identity that I'd already created as the classroom joker. Um, the, I had an identity. When... when um, uh, when your kids are in school and they, uh, they struggle with uh, the education, I, I, dis- I struggled with dyslexia. Um, I, no one knew it was dyslexia then. They just thought it was um, intellectual um, stupidity. Yeah, <laughs> they just thought I was thick. Um, but So <laughs> I knew I wasn't thick, but I didn't have any words to tell them that I wasn't. And so I was treated like that. But... Um, but I, I discovered I, there were things going on in my mind that I couldn't converse to them. I couldn't find words to, to express to them the, 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 the information, the things that I could see. Um, people who have a more dyslexic type mind and there's a scale in these things, they see in a very three-dimensional way, I see a complete picture. When someone starts talking to me, I can see the end before they've gotten to the end of the conversation. Um, when um, Bob and Phyllis, who used to be our assistant pastors, she, Phyllis always used to laugh because we would be sitting there and she would be explaining this message that she had heard uh, and she would be explaining it. And, and I, would be, I would be at the end of the message before she's finished telling me the beginning because I have that kind of mind. It's a, it's a mind which, which sees the big picture. That's what I see. I hate details and and so, but in a, in a school environment, back in the 70s and 80s, dyslexia was not an issue. It's not something that they talked about. And so I had to find other ways of entertaining myself. And so I was a bit of a classroom clown um, and uh, just up to tricks and um, uh, all, all kind of great hilarity would take place. But I discovered um, that I was in my sporting achievements, they were also pretty poor. I wasn't a kid who could uh, run particularly fast. Um, I wasn't, uh, in many cases, I was often the slowest, not because I was the slowest, but because I was the one with the least amount of motivation. And so it found me at the back of the pack. And uh, so there was uh, also, we used to have, um, uh, we used to have to do the the 10,000 meters. Whoever had to do 10,000 meters at school? That's a cruel race for kids to do, isn't it? Everyone had to do it. And so we had a way of getting... We had this kid who was in our, in our class uh, and he suffered from extreme asthma. And if, if he ran really fast, he would collapse and have an asthmatic attack and had to have medical attention. And so we discovered that if you pushed him really hard, he would have an attack and then we wouldn't have to finish the race because the teacher would come along and we would just walk off. And so every time it would be like, come on, his name was Clive, and say, come on, Clive, it's time to have an asthma attack. And he would go, oh, no, really? And we would make him run. And we would run. And, and the teachers were so stupid, it would be like, like Clive, you can't run because you're going to nearly die. It would be like they were just, they, would, they were thick, you know? So we were just like, and we were running around, and he would like fall, and he would have an attack, and the teachers would come, and they would, they would be trying to help him breathe. And, and we would go, Phew. We'd only done two times. We'd done about 800 meters. 
and it was meant to do 10,000 women just walk off and we'd go home and it was just brilliant but uh, you know I couldn't um, I wasn't a great football player um, you know I was just sort of very average and sort of kicked the ball around uh, I wasn't I wasn't particularly good at cricket or rugby um, I could play tennis I was great at tennis I got a great serve I got an awesome backhand but nobody else played tennis so <laughs> You know, they, you know the, the, other, the other version is squash, you know. <laughs> and we never had a wall to hit a ball against. So, you know, that was, that was no good. Um, but I discovered that I could swim. Uh, and I discovered that not only was I a great swimmer, I could beat every other kid who was just a little arrogant and, and considered themselves better. They were kindergarten to me. I just literally obliterated them. In fact, when I was 12, we used to go to the pool that the school um, would put on a minibus and they would take us uh, to the swimming pool. And I used to race the teachers because um, there, there was nobody else to race that was worth uh, racing. And they, would, they used to enjoy racing me because it was, you know, it was entertaining. Here's this little kid. Uh, and I was small. Uh, for my age as well. I was one of the smallest in the class. And uh, so I was just this little kid and I would just hammer up and down and keep up with the adults. And they, and they were amazed. Not only were they amazed, it was the only time they'd ever seen me passionate about anything. The rest of the time, they'd just seen this belligerent kind of... Sorry, Brian, I spat all over you. I saw it hit you. It was amazing. <laughs> Next time, I was, I'm going to see if I can get the second row. And, uh, <laughs> so... It was the only time they ever saw me, um, the only time they ever saw me sort of put in, into any effort into anything. And so I, I just put all my effort I could into swimming and uh, I was just naturally uh, good at it. I just had an ability to swim. My mother was an incredibly strong swimmer uh, and when we were on holiday she would, um, she would just disappear. She would be in the ocean and she'd be gone for hours and she would just swim up and down. She would swim for miles and, uh, and we just found that we just inherited that gene and, and, and me and my brothers and, and we could swim uh, um, we could swim for England and uh, we never did of course because we never had the money to do the training to do the swimming and uh, I'm probably not tall enough to do the racing but when I was 16 years of age um, I was introduced to the Royal Life Saving Society the RLSS and we went, I got into life tr lifeguard training and lifeguard training was awesome. Every, but the thing was that everyone said to me, Kev, you, you're just built for lifeguard training. You're going to be a lifeguard trainer. You're just a great swimmer. And there was all this encouragement. But I, I want you to know that of all the lifeguard training encouragement I had, no amount of encouragement made me a better swimmer for lifeguard training. No amount of encouragement. All that encouragement did was give me the right heart, the right attitude, and the right motivation, but it never gave me the muscle. The only thing that gave me the muscle was the swimming. You know, you know encouragement is critical for a great attitude. It's critical to keep you on the field. It's critical, or the pool. It's critical to keep you in with the team, but it won't actually get you doing the work. What does the work is the building up of each other, which is the come on, you can keep going. 
And you know, you can, because the only thing that will actually build you up is muscle. And muscle is only built by tearing muscle. And so when I started my training, when I started my the, the program that I was called to do, I started getting the pool and, and the first training was you have to swim from point A to point B as quickly as possible. I can do that. So then we had to train. Then we had to learn how to jump into a deep pool without sinking underwater. How, how many of you know how to do that? Neil knows how to do this. Few people have done uh, lifeguard training. You jump in, you spread your legs, you bring your arms down, and you kick your legs, and you keep your head above the water. Why? Because you've got to keep your eyes on the person that's dying. And so you got to. <laughs> then you've got to learn to swim fast, and you've got to do it with your head above. So you do the crawl, but you keep your head up. I'm guessing it's still the training the same I haven't done it for like 20 years they've probably changed now but we used to jump in and then we would be away head was up and we would train and that's the way we go but then the RLSS they were cruel so we would then have to spend the entire time swimming with our arms tied behind our back and so when there were arms tied behind the back you can't use your arms we're going to tie them so they would tie your arms and we would just swim and we would swim and you felt like you're draining because your mouth is your face is in the water but you would go and we would go all all evening just swimming once they put put us in the pool deep end of the pool we had to tread water for three hours while they gave us a lecture on safety <laughs> they were cruel but you know what in all of that cruelty we we ripped muscle and we ripped muscle we built muscle and we were built up in our swimming capacity to be built up wasn't a place where we were just going around slapping each other on the back going, wow, you're, that was great. There was a lot of that was great going on afterwards and beforehand it was a kind of in the changing room it was like, whoa, what are we going to do? It was just this anticipation. But in the pool it was sheer hard work. I remember one of the times and I can't remember the time we had to do it in. It was an Olympic sized pool. We had to, we had to dive into the pool swim one and a half lengths, then dive underwater and swim the other half of the length underwater, collect two bricks which represented two bodies, come up having collected the bricks, get to a body that's floating on the top that represented the person you've collected from the bottom, resus them in the pool and drag them back to the pool, then get them out and then resus them. And I remember this time of a minute and 15 seconds and I can't remember if it was that exercise or another, but all I remember was this exceptionally difficult time to reach and, and missing the time by about five seconds every time it would be Kev you missed it five seconds you're never going to pass the exam it was one of the it was one of the top exams I was I was I was reaching the heights of life-saving society (laughs) examination I was the man and I was just missing out every time and I remember nearly throwing up in a pool which is not a great thing to do I mean (laughs) once it's out there it's floating away you know And so I was just, and I would, I would have cramp. We would always having cramp in the pool just from pushing ourselves. The bottom of my feet would go, my calf muscles would go, my calf muscles would always go because I used to do a lot of cycling, and and it was just like I would just muscle would be like cramp, and you get out the pool, and and it would be so hard. But we would push ourselves and push ourselves because we wanted to build ourselves up to a point. Why? Because we wanted to save people's lives. 
We wanted to do something which would actually save someone's life. We had to push ourselves until the breaking point because somebody's life at some point would need us to be strong enough to save them out and pull them out of the water. Then we actually trans- um, we, we went on from pool training, we went on to sea, and uh, we worked to the Eastbourne Sea. And uh, training in the sea is kind of, it's pros and cons. The, the pro is when you're towing, pulling a body out of the sea, uh, the, the salt water gives you greater buoyancy. And uh, I remember I had this, this uh, woman who had volunteered to be there, and uh, she was about so high and about so wide. And uh, which is about the best person you would ever want to tow because they just float. <laughs> just brilliant. And I remember I had the tide going against me and I'm swimming and there, there they are. They said, come on, Kev, come on, Kev. And the tide is against me and I've got my arm around under their shoulder. I'm towing and, I, and I'm going to, I'm saying, I hope you don't mind, but I'm just going to rest a while while I hang on your body because you're floating. <laughs> and I've got to bring them in. We used to have to dive down just the most exceptional depth just to bring up rocks from the bottom to prove that we could actually... Um, um, to prove that we could uh, find the people. Uh, I mean, you know, we didn't find anything. You just found a rock, you know. And uh, so we would dry, dive down in these cold and murky waters. And so, you know, you had the pro. It was a bit easier with buoyancy in the salt water, but it was a lot harder with the, with the tides and with the cold. You, much more quickly, you got exhausted uh, and you got tired as well. But the point is, in all of this, we were ripping muscle because we were building each other up and we were building each other up because in all of these circumstances we weren't doing it on ourselves by ourselves we were doing it with each other and in fact the bible the new testament about a dozen times says this i encourage you to build each other up at no point does it say build yourself up it says to build each other up. The Bible constantly speaks about building each other up. And I've discovered this. I've discovered I've tried to do a lot of things and I've failed in them. And I failed because there wasn't someone there encouraging me to finish the job. I remember I started learning to play the guitar. I bought a guitar. I could play D, A and G. And uh, <laughs> I got to play D, G, and A, and I, I would just, I would just play those chords, and I learned a bit of a, a rhythm, and I learned to play, and I can still play the chords, and I can throw in, I can throw in a, a, a D sus something, D sus, I don't know, seven anyway. So I can throw in, I can put my little finger in the D, and uh, so I can do, and I can just throw, and I can do all of those things, right? But I learned to play, and I had a mate who learned to play, and, and he lent me his guitar, and we played together, and all the time we were playing together. But then he stopped playing the guitar with me, and I'm playing the guitar, and I pick it up, and it stopped because I had no one to push me past the point where I had got to that level. And because I was on my own, I'm playing the guitar on my own, going, this is just boring. I can't do this anymore. And what the heck. And then I met Cheryl, and she was much better at playing the guitar than I was anyway. And uh, so why would you ever need to play the guitar when you, 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 your own bird can serenade you? And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> And so, in all of those things, I 
I actually gave up. There were, I, I used to go to the gym and uh, I'd work out in the gym and I took out a gym membership a couple of years ago, in fact, and I started in the gym. But you know what? I gave up. Why did I give up? I had no one to go to the gym with. And there, I think, I mean, some, some of you who are just single mind focused and you can just work in the gym, but I want you to know that if, that if you want to do really well, if you want to break records, if you want to go where you are, you really can't do it on your own. Because you have to have someone saying, no, it's not time to quit now. It's time to keep going. It's time to push in. You haven't been working long enough. You can do it. See, the Bible says, building each other. Let me just read it to you again. But dear friends, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, being built up in your faith is a lot more than just than just encouraging each other is getting out there and doing the work. It says this in, in Romans 15, 1 to 3. It says, We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. Now, things like this, if you want to know what, thing, what things. In Romans chapter 14, it's talking about foods you can eat and foods you can't eat. The Bible basically says you can eat anything you like uh, and it's okay with that. But if someone's not okay with that, then don't cause them a problem by eating foods in front of them they're not okay with because we don't want to give people a problem. So it's going on and it says, but we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive. We must not please ourselves, we must help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. In other words, we are here, each one of us, placed around each other to spot those who are walking in God and say, come on, I'm here to build you up. I'm here to push you on. I'm here to encourage you. Take another step. You see, church was created that we might walk together in the faith. We were created to stand as friends. I want you to know this as a house of friendship. This is a house of companionship. This is a house where we stand together and we we live life together. But it's not a time of just saying, oh, yeah, I like your shirt. Oh, cool shoes. Oh, yeah, I really, I think you're, I think you're really great. Oh, that, I mean, that kind of encouragement is essential. It's important that we lift each other up with words and kind words of affirmation. But there is a work of service that we must give to one another. And that is the, come on, it's not time to quit. And, and someone says, you know what, well, oh, really, I don't really... I'm just struggling. I I don't think I can do the teas and coffees or the the door team now or or the worship team or the... Everyone gets to a point where they feel like they're going to quit. And the the natural, the mind of today's society is to say, oh, well, whatever you feel. No, it's not whatever you feel. What do you mean you're going to quit? You can't quit. If you quit, that causes me a problem. I need you to keep going and you need me to keep going. Come on. And we start to build one another up. And we start to give each other the capacity of going on. I remember when I was um, 18 years of age, I had just preached my first message in church and I was just really sort of pumped and excited and I'd been going through and then I hit my first kind of real trial in life and I, and I just got really down on myself and I remember the pastor and he really irritated, I mean he irritated me so much. Because he said, he just just said one of those clever sayings that just annoys you because it's true. 
And he goes, Kev, when things get hard, just keep going on and going on and going on. And he kept going on. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, if you say going on one more time, I'm going to pull your beard. He had a big, hairy beard. <laughs> he had one of those old-fashioned preacher beards, you know, where he had the moustache shaved off. And he, and he, just, he just had, like, like, the old Puritans like that. And I just wanted to yank his beard and go... This is not encouraging me. I want someone to put their arms around me while I cry softly into their shoulder. I want someone to feel sorry for me. But he wasn't feeling sorry for me at all. He just come and saying, come on, Kev, you've got to keep going on. You've got to keep going on. You've got to keep going on. What was he doing? He was being my friend, helping me tear muscle. He was being my friend, helping me understand that I've got to keep going through the burn while the lactic acid starts rushing through my muscle. I've got to keep pushing on through the pain. That is the thing that causes us to build muscle and to get stronger. There is a life that we are called to live. We are all called to grow in God. And you know, this is the point. When a child is born, a child naturally grows. You don't have to do anything to, to, to create that growth. Growth is written within the DNA of the child. Actually, I was listening to the radio the other day, as you know that I want to do. I, I was listening to the radio and they were talking about how they only understand about 20% there is to know about how Growth works in a in human being in, in anything, and they've been. It's a really. They said it's a really complex thing. They were talking about how the genetics um, that it, there isn't just this tall gene or a short gene. There are literally hundreds of genes that all work together to decide how tall you're going to be. And they said that they they literally don't know how tall someone's going to be, or they can't look at DNA samples. Say. Um, in um, evidence they're looking at someone they want to know well how tall was the person they can't look at that they're many many years away from looking at how that works because because Growth is something which is so written into our DNA it's such a personal thing but here's the thing we are all created to grow but to be strong is something you have to work at you you Children can grow, but you can get a weak child and you can get a strong child depending on what they did while they were growing up. You can have a weak person and you can have a strong person and the difference isn't their DNA, the difference is their lifestyle. You see, God created us to, to grow in Him, but to be, not just to grow, but to be strong in Him. And what often happens in our life is that we begin, oh, well, you know, I've been a Christian now for, for five years. Well, that doesn't make any difference. What were you doing for those five years? How strong did you become in those five? I've been a Christian now. I've met some people and they, oh, I've been a Christian now for 50 years. And, and you know, and sometimes out of their mouth is coming the language of someone who you think, oh, perhaps you don't even sound like you're saved. <laughs> well, what were you doing for that time during those, during those years? Were you being built up or did you allow your muscles to draw back and get weaker? I remember being in the gym. Um, on, actually, I was in the gym with Tom Rules 
How many of you know Tom Rawls? Tom Rawls, he pastors a church down in Norwich. Uh, he's got like 700 people in his church. Uh, Tom was a man, he's about five foot seven, I would say, five, between five, 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 seven. He's not a tall man. At his, at his heaviest, he was 23 stone. All right, that's, that's quite a lot, isn't it, for that height? And uh, I don't think he was as heavy as that when I knew him, but he was heavy. And, and uh, he'd been a diabetic, type 2 diabetes, for 25 years. He now lo- no longer has type 2 diabetes. Why? Because he got into the gym, and with a young man in the church who's like super ripped and healthy, this young man, 5 o'clock every morning, would knock on his door and say, Tom, it's time to get up and go to the gym. Every single morning, this young man never failed Tom and got him up out of bed, five o'clock. They would get up, they would ha- have um, some breakfast and then we'll go out and they would work their guts out. And I, when Tom came up to here, he said, Kev, I've got to go to the gym. Oh, man. So he, uh, he took me to the gym and here's the Tommy. He's a, he's a good 12 years older than me. And there he is and he's pushing weights that I'm going like this. Got that shaky feeling going on. And he's just pushing weights and he just lost huge amounts of weight. He's trim. He's super fit. He's gotten rid of his, his uh, di- uh, diabetes. He's really muscly. But while we were in the ch- gym, me and Tom, we were in there working out. There's an old guy there. I'd seen him in there several times. And Tom walks up to him and he says, he says excuse me for asking, but can I ask how old you are? Because here's this guy and he's pulling these weights like he's a skinny guy but he's pulling he's pulling quite strong weights and he's got like veins sticking out of his leg like old man veins you know and he's just got like and the fella says I'm 92 92 and he's in the gym every day I want to tell you something what what is going on in that man's mind I tell you what it is it's understanding that if you want to be strong you've got to tear muscle if you want to build muscle you've got to tear muscle it doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been doing life or, or how long you've been going through a situation or how long you've been going through this trial if you want to get strong you've got to tear muscle and to tear muscle you've got to work out And to work out, you've got to do it with someone who's going to walk with you on that journey. You've got to know and understand how to go through that process. Let me just finish with these few sayings. It says here that your faith is only as strong as the people you do faith with. I want you to understand. Your faith is only as strong as the people you do faith with. We need relationships. Bible says in Proverbs 27 verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We were created to do great things. You know, let me finish on this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 to 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways. I love this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us think. My friend, Wayne. My best friend, there's a Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin's here, um, Kevin and Wayne. 
uh, are here in the church. And uh, Wayne's not here tonight, is it? Wayne's not here. Well, I had a mate called Wayne. He was my best friend at school. And uh, we, were, we were an awesome uh, duo. And uh, I remember we did French together in school. We grew up together, did Sunday school together. And, and Wayne and I were in uh, French together. I remember going through it, and we had this way of learning French. We would have each other's fingers in our hands. And every time we got a word wrong, we would pull the fingers right back until, they, until we were... No, that's wrong. Yank. Ow! We, we invented ways to motivate each other. We, we were the best French because we were in the lowest class of French you could get. Oh, I, mean, you know. I actually nearly got an O-level in French. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. So far. And uh, so... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but we, we, we were just really, we just worked hard at inflicting the most amount of pain that we could actually inflict upon each other to learn French. And we loved it because we were boys having fun. But I want you to understand that there are ways of encouraging, encouraging maybe not inflicting pain, unless you're a teenager, then it's just really enjoyable. But other than that, we have to find ways of encouraging each other and building each other up. If you want to be strong, if you want to survive, if you want to get through, how do you get through? You find a way of encouraging a friend and saying to them, come on, let's do life together. Let's do church together. That's why I believe so much in doing church over these coming weeks and uh, months as we do fuel. I, I want to encourage you, if you go to fuel, um, value the hangout time. Value the time. That's it. You know what? Hangout time is not a time, a time of wasting for coffee. Hangout time is a critical time when you find out each other's lives and you find a way of speaking a word of encouragement and helping them get through. If you don't have that encouragement time, all you're doing is feeding yourself and going home. What's the point of that? You could have listened to a podcast and saved us the cost of the coffee. <laughs> I want you. I want you to be in the house building each other up, encouraging one another. We need your encouragement to be strong. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.